Welcome back to season 11, episode 15 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Doctors of Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for the podcast. In this next episode, we'll hear from Neil Brennan, who works at Clarify Health. He'll talk about challenging the status quo with behavioral economics. Please join me as we welcome Neil to the Doctors of stage. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me back. Stefano, I still remember that panel. It was a lot of fun because it was you, me, and Goran from Coventry. So it was a lot of strong personalities on that panel. I want to talk to you. It's interesting. The previous speaker, the conversation came up about uh, carrots and sticks. And I think we can all agree, I hope, that there's a lot of uh, sticks in traditional healthcare, particularly when it comes to dealing with payers and, you know, new value-based care models and different things like that. So we've recently been testing a more carrot-based approach that has had uh, pretty exceptional results in three metropolitan areas around the country. And it's focused on orthopedic care, specifically hip and knee surgeries and incentivizing surgeons to shift from inpatient and outpatient settings to ASC. So just setting up the framing here, There's a lot of talk about value-based care, a lot of talk about value-based payment. They tend to be fairly blunt instruments. I think they create a lot of frustration for providers and, you know, frankly, payers don't like them that much better. It's one of those things that like sounds great when you like describe it and then you actually have to implement and it turns into a massive pain in the ass for everybody. And then, but like the old school kind of UM stuff is like even worse, right? So how do we try and navigate between these two worlds? And so, as Stefano said, I'm a Clarify Health Last year, we acquired a company that was founded by uh, Zeke Emanuel and Amal Navath. And Amal in particular is a huge student and believer and aficionado of using behavioral incentives to make positive change occur. So what we do via this program, and I will get into details, is we're working with a major national payer and we go into markets working mostly with independent surgeons. And this kind of represents a little bit of the, you know, this is the sort of academic construct for what we do, enrollment, sort of laying out the value proposition and the potential incentives available, onboard the physicians, work with them to sort of track their care and their performance. Again, this has done a lot of provider performance and peer comparisons have been a little stickish in the past, but we've done this in a more, you know, it's more fun to receive provider comparisons when you know that if you do a little better, you'll actually get paid more instead of getting dinged or a bad review on Google or told that you're not in the preferred network of physicians. Another thing that we find very effective is like traditional value-based care programs are very retrospective and lagged. So like you do a bunch of work and then at the end of the year, you may or may not get a check. We're constantly working with physicians and they're getting incentive payments at a very frequent basis, usually monthly. And so now we're working to expand the program. So how does this look for an orthopedic surgeon? Instead of requiring multiple layers of authorizations, we give them incentives and goals. We personalize the recommendations based on the way they practice and their historical practice patterns for their patients. We give them quarterly incentive dollars. We also incentivize the staff at these surgical practices because the staff are obviously a key engagement point. And then We give regular monthly feedback on not only how much they are making in incentives, but because we're switching site of service, I mean, you guys all know this, it's really sort of better for everybody, including patients who are saving money via co-pays and different things like that. So 
How does it work? We tested it in three MSAs and we had a control group in an additional four MSAs. And so what we found in our intervention group, while both groups sort of reflected this like sort of secular trend towards more of this stuff happening in ASCs, the intervention group significantly outperformed the control groups in terms of switching to preferred sites of service and it generated a significant value. So on average, spending for these surgeries decreased by 12% compared to the average and even more. It was actually a 22% differential relative to the control group because the control group actually got a little bit more expensive. So it's very bespoke. We have on the ground coaches working directly with the orthopedic groups. So there's a lot of personalization, a lot of email outreach. I'm not really an expert in these things, but apparently our email open rates are like really high. They're like high 70%. So like there's like really strong engagement from the practices and really strong engagement from the physicians involved. Another thing to just note is we enrolled about 90 physicians initially. That was about a year and a half ago. We had a 100% renewal rate with the first 90 surgeons, and we've now expanded it to uh, 225 surgeons. And people seem to like it, stay, and now it's expanding and scaling. So some more bottom line numbers. I I already mentioned the 100% uh, renewal rate, 79% engagement, 14% gain in enrollee preferred behavior compared to the control groups. On average, there's about 30,000 in savings with 8,000 in savings going to the surgeon. That's based on roughly about 10 procedures. And so remember, this is one payer for each surgeon. So if this, you know, could scale across multiple payers, I guess it depends on your outlook in life. If you think $8,000 is a lot of money or not a lot of money at all, but people seem to really like it. And so that is actually it, but I'm happy to answer questions or or different things like that. Great. Thank you very much. Now, $8,000 was per year? Per physician? Per insurer? Yeah. Just to clarify that. The micro incentives, what kind of micro incentives are there? You mentioned that, but you didn't tell us what they are. Yeah. So literally, there's micro incentives and there's macro incentives. So the macro incentive is if you switch the surgery, we will give you $1,000. The micro incentives, and one thing I failed to mention is we're doing this beyond just orthopedic surgery. So we're expanding into GI care and then sort of something completely different and less interventional. I'm trying to incense specialty referral behavior change. So some of the micro incentives are, don't laugh, Starbucks gift cards for office staff and different things like that. And the crazy thing is, is that they work. And so just quickly, get the Starbucks card to do what behavior? Well, so for the office staff, it's to kind of keep the surgeons engaged and excited about the program and different things like that. That's interesting. It's also looking at the support staff and make sure that the physicians are engaged and using some incentives in that space. And that's, you know, again, practically speaking, that's the point of entry for our coaches. And, you know, they do a great job of building relationships. But the first interaction is rarely with the surgeon. It's with the office staff and you have to sell it, you have to produce the use cases, you have to show the impact on the bottom line, and then we eventually get to the surgeons who make the call. Hmm, Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about the details of how this actually happens. What integration has to happen? What is an EMR-based thing? Is it a, how do you, today we, I sign up and we're going to do this. What happens next? 
So it's not necessarily EMR-based integration is needed per se. We do like to look at the data very closely and make sure that outcomes are improved and different things like that. But it sort of is a little bit of a standalone program. It's digital in the sense that it's like highly bespoke. There's a lot of engagement, different things like that. But we mostly actually sort of spin the program up and create opportunity analyses and sort of present what the potential upside is using claims data. So I just want to get down to the nuts and bolts of this thing. It's an, I get an email every day or I get you dispatient. You could do it outpatient. You booked it as yes. an inpatient. Why don't you rebook it? That kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a communication platform, if you yes. will, that gets integrated. Once I say yes, okay, we're going to start sending you emails. We, we know what you're booking because we're the insurer. We're paying for it, but we're going to make some suggestions and mostly yes. it's out of care. And yeah. then you do these micro incentives. Okay. Big picture, probably a lot of the audience is like, it's a fixed pie. This seems, we'll talk about this race to the bottom business. Yep. Uh, these incentives go away once everybody standardizes to a protocol. Yep. How does that play out for us? Why would we be incentivized, we as physicians, we as VACs, to go along with this and decrease the cost to the insurer? So it's a great question. Again, from sort of a purely revenue generating perspective, at least in the short term, there is significant upside in this for physicians. Where we go once all the hips and knees are at ASCs is an interesting question. But again, like I said, I think there's lots of different other areas of healthcare where we can apply these nudges and incentives. And like, look, you know, I was kind of like, when they first like explained the program to me, sometimes it's like the simplest things that actually work. I mean, we can look at the healthcare cost trend and it's just been up and up and up and up and up and up and up forever. And I'm not saying that this is single-handedly bending the cost curve, but it is actually tangibly reducing the cost of care. And so if it plateaus in two or three years when all the behavior change has been achieved, maybe that's okay. And, you know, we'll try and, you know, move along and fix another problem. No, exactly. <laughs> I think I, I was pushing a little bit there. I think yeah. absolutely the, one of the onuses on us is, the, is to figure out a way of decreasing costs and doing the, in the lowest cost, highest quality, lowest cost. Yes. Media. Thank you very much for joining us. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the Digital Increase podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we do, please do share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a nice review on your podcast player choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 